This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. Welcome to Voices in Healthcare Finance. I'm Erica Grotto. It's June, and the final countdown to HFMA's annual conference is on. If you're planning to attend, I hope you'll stop by HFMA Central and say hello. I'll be recording on-site and would love to meet you. On today's episode, we have another in Nick Hutt's series with speakers from the conference as he talks with Caroline Gay and Ray Reddy from Lakeland Regional Health in Central Florida about avoiding common analytics traps. But first, let's check in with Rich and Chad for Beyond the News. Hello, this is Rich Daly, Senior Writer and Editor for HFMA. Hi, this is Chad Mulvaney, a Policy Director with HFMA. Rich, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chad. Thanks for joining me again today here on the Beyond the News segment of the podcast. This, of course, is where we take a quick peek at the significance of recent healthcare finance news developments. Today, the big development is the Supreme Court. So on June 3rd, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, found HHS failed to provide proper notice and comment when it changed Medicare's disproportionate share hospital payment formula. Uh, Got a lot of play this week, Chad. What should finance folks know about this? The Supreme Court found that CMS violated the Administrative Procedures Act when it incorporated Medicare Advantage days into the Medicare fraction without going through the notice and comment process. And so it looks like it's going back to CMS to address the issue. And it remains to be determined exactly what will happen when CMS takes steps and whether this results in a readjustment of DISH payments to hospitals. So stay tuned for more information on that. So, hey, speaking of DISH, there's another little uh, issue coming up with Medicaid DISH cuts scheduled for October 1st. What's going on there, Chad? Yeah, it was a little maddening this week because the coverage of the Supreme Court case, I think, in some places got conflated with what's also going on with Medicaid DISH. So House Energy and Commerce is having hearings on June 6th around the possibility of just doing away with the Medicaid dish cuts wholesale. And those just kind of as a little bit of background were the ones that were mandated through the Affordable Care Act as sort of a pay for coverage expansion. And the theory being that all 50 states were going to expand Medicaid and suddenly you were going to see uninsured go down and suddenly it calls into question the, the need for Medicaid dish, which we know a lot of that rationale is now called into question because many states have failed to expand Medicaid. I think it's optimistic to assume that coming out of the energy and commerce hearing that they're going to end up moving legislation to the floor would actually repeal the full dish cut. The, the number's too big and just kind of, I would assume in this environment, they would ask for a pay for. But I do think what we might be able to expect is another two year or so delay in the dish cuts to kick the can down the road. So it's starting to feel to me like we're teeing up another SGR type situation where every couple of years, we're going to have to pay attention to this, 
and encourage Congress to, to not reduce dish payments inappropriately. Right. So careful one to watch there as we've got $4 billion on the line just this year. One other thing to touch base on real quick was a uh, separate time-sensitive issue looming for hospitals. In July, they could face denied or delayed Medicare payments when contractors are required to check for the first time that their correct addresses are being used for off-campus hospital outpatient departments. Uh, Industry advisors tell us this seemingly innocuous detail could affect a lot of hospitals and health systems Medicare payments which, of course, this comes amid a myriad uh, competing priorities. So, Chad, tell us, how seriously should hospitals be taking the need to focus on this issue ASAP? I would take it very seriously. And it's it's going to be down to the level of if your address ends in road, did you spell it out versus did you use the, the abbreviation? And if, you, if that's not reconciled within CMS's database and it doesn't match, the MACs have been instructed to deny the claim. And so you could end up with a large stack of administrative denials simply because you used an abbreviation in one and it's not in CMS's database. And next thing you know, you've got a number of claims related to previously provider-based clinics that are now sort of fallen under the exception that have been rejected. Well, hey, thanks a lot for those insights, Chad. And uh, thanks again for uh, joining us all on the podcast today. Hey, Rich, my pleasure. Anytime. Keep up with the latest news developments in healthcare finance policy and practice by, of course, checking out our news site. And that's at hfma.org forward slash news. The healthcare transformation is gaining velocity. From new startups and mergers to enormous cross-industry partnerships, change is coming. We invite you to be bold, to lead the change. Join us for the HFMA annual conference in Orlando this June. Get the tools you need to take action. Learn more at annual.hfma.org. This is Nick Hutt, an editor with HFMA. Making optimal use of analytics arguably is one of the most pressing and most vexing challenges in healthcare today. At HFMA's 2019 annual conference, which starts June 23rd in Orlando, two leaders with Lakeland Regional Health in Central Florida will present a session titled Tips and Tools for Avoiding Common Analytics Traps. I recently had a chance to talk with the two leaders, Vice President and Chief Analytics Officer Caroline Gay and Director of Analytics Ray Reddy, about how they helped to implement a robust analytics program that has improved the organization's bottom line. I began by asking them about the key characteristics of an effective analytics program. It all starts with strong executive support that believes that analytics can be a strategic pillar of the organization. Our team partners as internal consultants. We follow industry standard methodologies for agile development like Bader and Beam. Bader stands for business question, analytics methodology, data, insights, recommendations. So it essentially we follow that structure on our projects, which help us derive real business value from these projects. We use best practice data visualization tools that deliver solutions that hone in on those insights and recommendations 
rather than just take orders for reports that then need to be analyzed by someone else. We provide all of, of that. We are also included on those improvement projects as participating members instead of just as a data resource. So we, we get to have e- equal participation, which helps drive the solution towards insights and recommendations. Caroline then describes some of the organizational benefits that Lakeland Regional has derived from analytics. Our analytics division has supported organizational gains of over $30 million over the last six years, and we've achieved this through a variety of different ways. One way is by sunsetting third-party tools. Our data analysts and developers have been able to partner with business users to create internal projects for budget, productivity monitoring, market share analysis, physician RVU dashboards, quality metric reporting, and all of this has eliminated millions of dollars in annual IT maintenance fees. Analytics certainly came in handy when the organization implemented an entire new revenue cycle module. Ahead of that implementation, we planned our data models out so the organization would have continuity in the financial and statistical information across the two systems. And this allowed our revenue cycle executives to navigate what turned out to be a very challenging implementation much more easily and gave them visibility into trends and opportunities for improvement. In terms of value-based care, so far our our experience in this space has been as part of the CMS Voluntary Hip and Knee Bundle Program that we just concluded last summer. Our team handled all the data and analysis for the clinical outcome and financial information on that project and we were able to provide key insights to adjust care pathways in order to meet the target prices set by Medicare and to be successful in that project. Analytics also can help organizations become much more efficient in their use of electronic health records. Absolutely. One of the things that's critical in that aspect is that you understand the analytical out- outputs that you're going to need from a, a strategic Egypt point of view, view so that you design the EHR to capture the correct input in a way that supports, you know, the strategic goal that you're trying to accomplish. The other thing that you really want to make sure that you get right is to provide an analytics model monitoring as part of your data governance so that as the EHR evolves, you can see changes and the impact that those make to the definitions of the data elements that you use to drive your, your analytics program. Our partnership with IT to, you know, plug in to when they do upgrades is a, a very important part of the success of our analytics team. Ray described some of the technical aspects to keep in mind when syncing analytics with the EHR. If you're going to use something to, to base your analytics program on, you, you, you want to make sure that the data is collected in a way where there's some validation present where instead of free text data entry, you have pick lists, 
or you constrain the values to ranges that make sense. What, what we found early on was there's a big push from the clinical side to just make things easy, which tends to result in more free text and data capture that you then can't really make use of from an analytics perspective. And then you end up going through these extensive optimization redesigns to get things in a way where you can make use of the data. Finally, Caroline explained some of the pitfalls that Lakeland Regional overcame to make its analytics program a success. One of the most common mistakes is focusing on the technology first rather than assessing the real value and the, the total cost of an analytics platform. So sometimes, you know, the internal analytics function like we have here at Lakeland Regional is the right way to go, but it takes a full investment uh, from the organization. Buying an analytics platform will work for some other organizations. I think you just have to assess what's the best fit for your company, depending on where you're at on your journey. And, you know, then a lot of times organizations want as much data at their fingertips as possible, when in reality, leaders only need to focus on a few KPIs and prioritize their efforts to what really matters. You know, otherwise, you run the risk of data just becoming a distraction. Having a culture of analytics is also very important, making sure an analytics mindset is infused throughout your organization. You, know, you can't have just one person in each department deemed the numbers person, and that's the only one you can count on for information. Leaders and staff need to understand the metrics they're being held accountable for so everyone is on the same page. The presentation by Caroline and Ray will be part of the Business Intelligence, Data Management, and Analytics Learning Pathway at HFMA's Annual Conference. For more information, visit annual.hfma.org. If you haven't seen HFM Magazine recently, you're missing out on all the exciting improvements we're making to our long-running monthly publication. From a new take on cover stories, to more practical tools for revenue cycle professionals, to a revival of chapter news, HFM is evolving. If you're an HFMA member, you're already set to receive our new and improved HFM. If you're not a member, join today at hfma.org forward slash belong. The healthcare industry is changing, and so is HFMA. If you're a member, you've probably seen some information about our new approach to membership. And in today's Fast Five, we're bringing you five things you'll want to know about HFMA's all-inclusive membership. Interesting, informative content. With your all-inclusive membership, you get full access to everything we produce, including daily news, HFM magazine, and online education, including the ability to learn CPE credits and certifications. Job resources. Whether you're seeking a new position or looking for a new member for your team, HFMA's robust career center and associated tools can help. Interaction with other members. Chapter membership has always been a part of your HFMA membership, and now you'll have access to our online community to share insights, solve problems, learn from others, and build relationships at the national and local levels. A 
personalized experience. HFMA's website is easy to use with an experience tailored expressly for you. There's new content every day, so you'll always find something interesting and relevant. And our staff is realigned to listen and deliver what you want most. One fixed price. Your annual membership fee gets you access to everything I just described. There's never been a better time to be an HFMA member. Visit hfma.org benefits to learn more. Voices in Healthcare Finance is a production of the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Beyond the News is produced by Rich Daly and Chad Mulvaney. Additional reporting this week was by Nick Hutt. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler and Michael Shorbot. HFMA's president and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Podbean or wherever you listen, and email us at podcast at hfma.org. 